Roque Davis is back with Just for Sport. I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for joining us on the Props Network on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. Boy, oh boy, I feel like I've been gone for a very long time. This is Just for Sport. And I got a lot to talk about today. And joining me, of course, is Bo. Bo also was on vacation. We took a little break for Thanksgiving. Hope all went well. Bo, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was great. Doing fantastic. Now I can hear you. Now you can hear me? Great. Very thankful. Just glad to be back. You know, you had the new studio, so I couldn't be left behind. Welcome to my childhood bedroom, Jamoke. <laughs> Your childhood bedroom. How about that? Got the dresser in the background. We'll have to take a tour of that. I see all your bobbleheads. Oh, my gosh. Your Barcelona. Um, oh, yeah. I see yeah. your... Oh, yeah. How about that? You got your little got the, got the helmet, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Did you enjoy your social distance Thanksgiving? Yeah, I did. You know, the weather was it was incredible. The weather was good enough. We had it outside. You know, oh, uh, we did too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was beautiful. Yeah, I was I was really sixty five and sunny. Yeah, I was I really enjoyed. It. We did ours during we had our Thanksgiving during the day. It was a little yeah. warmer, but we did yeah. enjoy it. I'm glad you did it, uh, being socially res- responsible as well. We can't have anybody getting COVID, especially not yeah. the Props Network. All right, we got a lot to get to today, and I first want to talk about what I'm thankful for. Uh, Bo, I know I, I don't want to just throw you right into it, so I'll go first. I am thankful for sports being back, and I am really enjoying it. Um, even with all of the COVID cancellations, I am still very happy to be back. My studio, my well, my new space is still under construction, but I will get there eventually. I'm almost I'm almost finished with it. But the the thing for me that I was like, it was kind of up in the air about why I'm thankful for sports being back is because I know everyone used sports or has used sports in the past as well as really now as an outlet to escape. And we're all trying to escape from back in the spring when it was a stay-at-home order and you can't really go out and do all of the things that you want to do. You know, Bo's having Thanksgiving dinner outside. I had Thanksgiving dinner outside, which also meant I missed some of the football games because we were outside eating. But I was still thankful that sports is back. And I doubled down on that thinking about it because the next step for me in sports and being thankful for it is for any of the employees that are out there that work for sports teams, um, I hope you also have your jobs. I know that there are specific teams out there that have either let go of employees or furloughed employees. That's a thing, and it's happening, and it's sad because obviously you're, you know, for these owners, you're trying to worry about your bottom line, but you also know that the people who, you know, are very integral to your teams and the leagues, you don't want to have to let them go. But 
But in some situations, some teams have had to do. And I'm thankful, very thankful, especially for me having worked for a sports team, thankful to those teams that have able have been able to keep their employees and not having to let them go permanently or temporarily. That I know it's not easy, but this is a hiccup, a bump in the road. And I would like to think that for some of these organizations that have shareholders, board of directors, you know, presidents, whoever the case may be that you have to report to, that at the end of the day, maybe you can say, okay, our bottom line may be affected this year, but we're going to keep those employees in place because we're going to get back to some semblance of normalcy. My hope that'll be 2021 because then I think what I'm saying about teams and owners being able to keep their um, organization intact, that you'll be able to look back at 2020 and say, oh, it was eight months, you know, 10 months, a year. But it didn't go into two years and three years if we get this vaccine or whatever. I don't know how many of you watch Meet the Press, but Dr. Anthony Fauci, you know, was didn't really make us feel good um, about what we are going through and how we are doing as Americans. But um, the craziest stat, United States is 4% of the population of the world, 19% of the deaths. That's not a good number. Not a good number. But hopefully if we wear our masks, I got a mask here for when I go out. I don't need it right now. We wear our masks, keep our social distance, then I'll be fine. But then, you know, you look at these sports arenas and you wonder if everybody's keeping their distance. You know, I guess everybody's in clusters is what it is, right? If you want six tickets, it has to be six tickets. You have to be in a cluster and, and whatever that, that entails. Pods. There you go. Bo. Okay. So that's what I'm thankful for. Bo, what are you thankful for as we just had Thanksgiving and, and, and going into the 2021, almost Christmas season 2021. It's right around the corner. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, it's, you know, being able to be here with my family, you know, I was able to kind of isolate uh, back at school for a little bit. I'm quarantining here for for 14 <laughs> days to be able to celebrate and see them for the first time since August. So, you know, that's the most important thing, right? Family above all. Um, but second, like you said, it's, you know, kind of starting to get back to that little sense of normalcy. You know, I was able to go to, um, to Heinz Field for the for senior day really for for Pitt and for myself a uh, nice win over Virginia Tech there in football um, when I do get back to Pittsburgh I'll be able to do uh, you know some basketball games men's and mm-hmm. women's for WPS so really looking forward to that you know any sense of you know getting back to what we're all looking forward to being able to do what we all love to do as part of the sports world um, you know anything as much as we can do when it comes to that, you just have to be thankful for, um, you know, being in that position and, you know, of course, having your health still and, and being able to do what we all love to do. It's just tough. I mean, you know, uh, there was, what is it? Black Friday, Cyber Monday, obviously you can keep your distance, but with Black Friday, I'm just like, okay, well, I kind of wanted to go out and just, if nothing else, to be around people. And I'm like, you can't. 
Yeah. You, you I, I've never been a Black Friday guy. Really? I, I much I much prefer Cyber Monday. I'm gonna sit here on my laptop. <laughs> I'm gonna see what we can find, but there's no need for me to go out there. <laughs> I've always done Black Friday to the point that my brothers, it used to be a tradition where we would have our Christmas, uh, excuse me, our Thanksgiving dinner, and then we would have it in Richmond with 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 my aunt. She made the best meals, and then we go back to DC. Everyone else would go go to sleep, and we would go into Best Buy parking lot until midnight, and then run in and grab whatever. And you know, over the years, you're right. I stopped doing some of that, but I just like being out in the people. Yeah. And occasionally, I would. You're you know, a people person. Yeah, you know, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., I might stroll in over the last couple of years and see what I can pick up. But for the most part, I don't do it as much either. Yeah. But I have I have been working on my office here. So uh, what do I have here there? The uh, new digs. Yep, yep. I got to get my microphone set up. So I, I'm working on it. Um, yeah, there you go. So I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It just took longer than than I wanted it to. So anyway, all right, we had some football, didn't we? Oh, yeah. We had some football, and we'll get to it. But first, uh, I'll do a read. Let me squeeze in a read here. BetMGM is a new online sportsbook that is taking over the online betting nation. Not only does BetMGM have some of the best odds on all the major sports, but they also offer some of the industry's strongest weekly promos. This week at BetMGM, you can get a free $20 in-play wager when you bet $50 or more on any live NFL games. And we got two of them coming up. We got a Monday night and a Tuesday night game. It's going to be exciting. I think I, I'm looking forward to it, especially that Tuesday night game. Or you can get up to $100 free bet in the free-to-play Pick 3 First Touchdown NFL Challenge. And as always, you'll get a $10 free bet in the Money Monday Club. Of course, it's Monday. Monday. Use a pro promo code, right? But that's not all. Right now, BetMGM is a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTSPORT20. That's the code for just for sport, right? Just for 20 to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. That's right. Just in a code just for 20 and up to a $500 bonus bankroll is yours. Yours. Yes, yours. Must be 21 to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Now, where do we start? I want to first start. Bo, come on in here because I know how much this means to you too. I'm hiding. The, I'm the Washington. Okay, you keep hiding. The Washington football team. They sweep Dallas. Who knew that would ever happen? Who knew that it would happen in 2020? That is so 2020. That's what I really wanted to say. That is so 2020 that the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Washington football team. And it's been what, 10 years, 15, 20? It seems like forever since Washington won that game. But I was in and out of game again because I was outside social distancing with the family. So I really couldn't watch the whole game, which seems kind of sacrilegious, right? I mean, come on. How was I not sitting down for this game? I don't know why I wasn't, but I wasn't watching the whole game. But I was there at the end, and it was pretty much a blowout. Would you? Did you get to watch the game? Uh, I was watching bits and pieces of it. I was flipping between that and um, I forget what uh, what college basketball game was on. Wasn't Gonzaga Kansas? That was earlier in the day. Kentucky. Oh, I think 
No. No, that was late. I think it was West Virginia. I think it was no, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Was the mountain had, to, had to do a little scouting there, but um, you know, we were we had it on like the computer inside. We were outside smoking the turkey, just kind of checking up. And I think at one point we come back and we're like, Washington has forty-seven points. Forty forty one. It's crazy that they scored forty-one points. I mean, <laughs> Dallas. Dallas is in. I mean, what was that fake punt? Like, I think I think Mike McCarthy has to be, you know, in a certain position given all the injuries they faced. But I mean, there's certain decisions where you're looking at it and you're going, Mike, what are you <laughs> doing, man? What are you doing? So I am surprised Mike McCarthy is still employed. I gotta hand it to to Jerry Jones. I thought for sure, for sure, that at some point. He would have said, enough's enough. I gave Jason Garrett too long. And he he he's he stay in the course for better or for worse. Jerry Jones is sticking with Mike McCarthy. Looking at the positive, I gotta give it up for Antonio Gibson. First rookie with three touchdowns, rushing touchdowns on Thanksgiving since 1948. He showed up. He showed up better, better than Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, 11 touches, 39 yards from scrimmage, and a fumble loss, which helped Washington score. I never thought that Ezekiel Elliott would be the weak link for the Cowboys, but he seems like he has become the weak link for the Cowboys. What he got? Six fumbles this season alone, and he only had like five in the last – I think seven seasons was the stat I saw, something like that. But the Washington football team has defeated the Cowboys twice in the same season for the first time since 2012. It was the last time they did it. They, they scored 30-plus points for the first time this season. And that goes to who other than Alex Smith. And I am just so amazed at how not only just well he is playing in terms of keeping the team moving in the right direction. I'm not just talking about the Dallas game, but I'm talking about how much of a, a, a steady force he has been for the team. 19 of 26, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not great numbers. Not great numbers. Antonio Gibson, as I mentioned, had 20 uh, rushing attempts for 115 yards. Terry McLaurin, seven receptions, 92 yards. But back to Alex Smith the inspiration he is for what he has been through off the field. And now he's starting. Even when he first came into the game after uh, Cal Allen got, was playing and then got hurt and everyone was like, you know, gripping the, the seat rest, like, Oh wait, what's going to happen? Is Alex Smith going to get hurt again? Every week it seems like he gets better and better in terms of his comfortability but also the number of people who are cringing at the fact that Alex Smith is on the field at all. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen to him? Nothing's going to happen to him. I feel like he's gotten the jitters out and he's playing better and better. And I'm really excited. And the other thing that I'm excited about, you look at the standings, you look at the standings and how nice is it to see the Washington football team tied for first place. Tie for first place with the New York Giants. And and Daniel Jones could be hurt. 
Dan if Daniel Jones is hurt and Colt McCoy, the former Washington football team quarterback, is up there backing up Daniel Jones, he didn't look great. I'm surprised that the, you know, I I'm surprised that the Giants still found a way to beat the Bengals. But I mean, Joe Burrow going out was really a big part of that. But I think that, you know, I dare I say it that I was texting and may have even tweeted out there that, hey, maybe Washington can make it to the playoffs. Who knew that this team? But the thing is, Bo, right? We've got Alex Smith. And if you remember, Alex Smith was the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs until Andy Reid said, yeah, this kid that we have uh, in Patrick Mahomes, I think we should actually start him. And so they let Alex Smith go for a bag of beans. And we got him. And if he can get back to that form, I do think if you look at the – Bo, let's look at the starting quarterbacks for the NFC East. We've got Colt McCoy now, right? Colt McCoy, if Daniel Jones is done. Carson Alex, went – Huh? I just, Alex Smith is the best one there. The best one. I like – I've been saying this line since they drafted him. Carson, go back from whence you came. Whence you came. He was not the quarterback that the Eagles should have drafted. In the show, when Nick Foles came in and won in the Super Bowl. And then we got the Dallas Cowboys, which, I mean, they did have a pit quarterback at one point. So I, I was kind of excited about that. Danucci. But um, I think Alex Smith is the best quarterback in the NFC East. Can you believe it? It's hard to argue that. I mean, I think. The, Daniel Jones is is an enigma, right? It's hard to really get a read on him. You know, with him out of the picture, right? With Dak out of the picture, uh, he, the way Wentz has played this year, I mean, I think I've had – we talked about the stat here where, you know, at one point he was leading the NFL in turnovers. Like more mm -hmm. than any other team, Carson Wentz had that many turnovers. And so it's hard to argue that uh, Alex Smith, the way, like you said – the way he's improved from week to week, the way we've seen him grow more comfortable in this Washington offense, there's no reason to say he's not the best quarterback in the NFC East right now. And he seems to be the future, um, you know, the future plan because they don't seem to want to go back to Haskins. Kyle no, Allen was no. always a Band-Aid. So why not, you know, keep Smith around? Yeah. I, I, I am really excited. For the growth of Dwayne Haskins, speaking of Haskins, good one, Bo, good transition. Um, I'm happy about Alex Smith saying, but there was one thing I saw on Twitter where somebody found uh, Alex Smith got knocked out of bounds and Dwayne Haskins ran over to pick him up. Hey, you got to find some level of maturity um, <laughs> in this situation because Dwayne Haskins was left for dead. He didn't even dress the first game after he was benched. And Dwayne Haskins is still there. He is now officially the backup for Alex Smith. And he's learning from a proven vet. And I am very excited about that. Okay. The game that I don't know that I was really excited about watching, but ended up becoming the most intriguing game in the NFL was Saints-Broncos, right? The Broncos, all of their quarterbacks – had to sit. All of their quarterbacks had to sit. 
and and the Broncos had to bring in a guy by the name of Kendall Hinton. No one knew who he was. His teammates hadn't even seen him before. He was on the practice squad for the Denver Broncos. He was on the practice squad for the Denver Broncos. The last time a non-QB started for an NFL team, regular season or playoffs, was 1965 when running back Tom Matt made a pair of starts for the Colts. That's from Elias Sports Bureau. I wish I could just have a hotline to Elias Sports every time I had something come up. Kendall Hinton, he started two games as a true freshman for Wake Forest, so he was a quarterback. Two games as a sophomore and then suffered a knee injury. And then that's when he switched to wide receiver. 2018. But here's a funny stat I saw from somebody else on Twitter. Kendall Hinton, who hadn't taken us a, a month ago, he was working in sales. He was a practice squad player. And he was basically all of a sudden playing in his first NFL game. And that was his first snap. He didn't even get to have a practice snap. His first snap was live in an NFL game. How crazy is that? That is just crazy. And he has thrown a TD pass more recently than the guy who was starting on the other team, Taysom Hill. Flotsam, Jetsam, Taysom Hill. That's what I like to say. I don't know if that really works, but I just like saying it. Every time I hear Taysom, I say, think of those other two words. Hinton's last touchdown pass, October 7, 2017, at Clemson. At Clemson, when he was at Wake Forest. Taysom's last touchdown pass was November 26, 2016, versus Utah State when he was with BYU. So the quarterback who had to go in the game, he basically was thrown in the game for the Denver Broncos. Threw a more a touchdown pass more recently than the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. That's crazy. I love Twitter. They have so many stats. But the, I was excited about it, about it. I like these weird games where you just have crazy things happening. And this weekend was probably not a good reason for anyone to have these things happen because of COVID. But between this and the other topic we'll get to later in college football with a first female college player um, in one of the big five conferences playing in the game. How about this for a stat as we get ready to move to our next game? The Broncos scored three points. Guess who else scored three points on the Saints? Oh, a week ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady, with Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, the high-powered offense, three points for the Buccaneers against the Saints. Three, I'm getting the camera. Three points for the Denver Broncos against the Saints. Not quite even in rosters and in starting quarterbacks. One is the GOAT, and the other took his first snap yesterday in the NFL. First snap ever in the NFL. Now, I will say, as my one message to the Denver Broncos before we move on, come on, please sign Kendall for the rest of the season. 
You got to. You don't have to, I guess. It's business. But that would be really nice. This guy probably allowed you to have way more jersey sold. Probably everybody wants a Kendall Hinton jersey. I want a Kendall Hinton jersey. Probably not going to get one. But that was quite a game. The other game that I was paying attention to, Bears lost to the Packers. I watched it, but not really the game that I was most intrigued by. Tennessee Titans beat the Colts 45-26. Another good game. But no, it was Chiefs-Bucks. Because one, I wanted to see how the Bucks would bounce back after that horrific game against the Saints. But it was Patrick Mahomes, the reigning Super Bowl MVP and the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs coming into town. And when I looked at that game, I said, well, man, Tom Brady and the Bucks, they just don't look very good. And will that trickle over into this game? And I tell you what, in the first half, I said, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, come on. Tyreek Hill, 269 yards, 13 catches, and three scores in the game. But in the first half, he had 203 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he was just, he's just crazy. Seven first quarter catches. And the crazy thing is, the Bucs fought their way back. They took us, the, the Chiefs had a 17-0 lead, and the Bucs fought there. And the thing is, and many times in NFL, no matter what sport it is, right, whether you're watching football, basketball, maybe not so much baseball, hockey, so what am I really now just saying is two sports. But you, what happens is I feel like if a team races out to a lead, then there's a chance that the other team is going to come back because the team that took the lead is just going to rest their players and kind of cruise from there. But I was impressed with the Buccaneers to even make a game of it. They had two fourth quarter touchdown drives and a chance to win it late. And they just didn't. But I still got to hand it to them that I was impressed with at least the fact that it wasn't enough. They didn't lay an egg like they did against the Saints. That was really important. And now they'll have a bye week. And then they have games against four teams with losing records, Minnesota, Atlanta twice, and Detroit. So most likely they're going to make the playoffs. And please, please beat the Vikings because I did not like the Vikings winning again. I, you know, Kirk Cousins, Vikings, want them to go away. I, can, I don't know. It's, I got I to gotta let go of that grudge. Maybe I don't have to let go of it, but I probably should. I probably should. But moving on, we have two games. Monday and Tuesday night, the Monday night game, Seahawks at the Eagles. How many times are the Seahawks going to have to fly east for the winter? I know it's not really winter, but I like the way it sounded. It's just crazy the number of times. It's a battle of the birds, so to speak. It's a battle of the birds, but sorry, I meant to have this up earlier because I wanted to look at their schedule. The schedule is just crazy that the Seahawks keep having, having to come east. I just am amazed by that. And I guess all teams have to do that. Some teams have to always fly 
West. That's how they do it. But, Bo, we got an interesting game here. We've got the Seattle Seahawks, the Eagles at plus six, over under at 49. Money line, minus 293 for Seattle, plus 240 for the Eagles. And when I look at this game, boy, we got a 15th-ranked offense, middle of the road, versus an awful offense in the Eagles. They're ranked last, last in the NFL. But their defense is ranked sixth. So from that perspective, it at the beginning, I was thinking, okay, I'm taking the Seahawks to win and cover. But then I started thinking about, okay, maybe not again. They're, the Seahawks have to fly east again. Uh, mm, Russell Wilson's 10-1 and one in his career against teams with three or fewer wins in week three. I mean, they are in week 10, excuse me. They're playing a lesser team in the Eagles. But it's just hard. They're two, the Seahawks are two and three on the road. I don't know. I just think the line, I ended up saying, okay, maybe I'm going to take the Eagles here. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's really telling to see the movement on this line, you know, over at the propsnetwork.com. You can see where, you know, the line started and where it is now. This line started with the Eagles as two and a half point favorites. And now they're six-point dogs. That's more than a touchdown in swing because of the public movement. And I think that does kind of leave you to believe, you know, maybe there's something here when it comes to the Eagles at home. You know, like you mentioned, Seattle having to go back and forth and back and forth. I mean, what, they were in Arizona two weeks ago, Buffalo the week before that. Their travel schedule, I mean, just off the top of my head, like you mentioned, you know, every team has – you know, difficulties to deal with that thing, especially now having to do so much traveling. But it really does seem like the Seahawks have had probably the worst out of anybody when it Four comes to Four of their that. six row games were east of the Mississippi, right? Wow. If I have my if – I, if I have my get, – Get the map right, out. Right, my, Miami, right? In Atlanta, yeah, the, they're still east the of the Mississippi. We got a map here. So Atlanta – yeah, okay, good. So Atlanta – my well, no, Miami, but Atlanta, right, east of the Mississippi. So, like, that's crazy that they played so many games in eastern uh, seaboard, so to speak, uh, time zone. That's got to be tough for Seattle. But here they go again. But that's why I feel like even at plus six, how do you not take the Eagles? You have to take the Eagles. Yes? I mean, you were just you were the one just talking about Carson Wentz. So, I don't know. You tell me. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one saying that, you know, Dwayne. Go back from whence he came. That's what I say. That's what I say. It's, I think it's, I mean, when, especially when you look at the the Seahawks defense, there is maybe a little bit of an opportunity for, um, for Wentz to have more of a, more of a bounce back week. Maybe, you know, there's, we've, you know, the one thing we have heard, we haven't touched on yet. Jalen Hurts apparently was getting first-team reps this week in practice in Philly. So who knows? Maybe we see more of him with Doug Peterson. You're going to need something. They're going to have to do something. You're going to need to do something. But, you know, I do think that – So good, it hurts. You you just really can't can't stop with these name plays for the Philly. I can't. I can't. I can't. (laughs) 
Okay, I, I'm I, I'm going to take Seattle to win, but I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to take the okay. Eagles plus six. I'll take the Eagles plus six. It's a good football number. I'll say that. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Okay, a couple of good prop bets. DK Metcalf, you got one that you texted me, but I like DK Metcalf to score the first touchdown at plus 600. I feel like the last couple of weeks – Maybe it's just me. I feel like I'm. I like DK DK Metcalf. I think he's going to be a dynamic wide receiver. But I felt like that last game against Arizona, there were a couple of drops from him that I think, hey, I I, I need to get it together. And I and I'm hoping that we're going to see more connections from Russell Westbrook to DK Metcalf. And I think he's going to score the first touchdown. I'm taking that at plus six hundred, plus six hundred. Yeah, great value there. Great value there. He's been such a reliable touchdown um, go-to for Russ. I'm looking at a different one, right? I do think he's going to score the touchdown, and I think he'll score one more. I'm going to take DK to score twice, two-plus touchdowns at plus 325. Just to score, not enough value there. I mean, we're talking minus 120 or something. He's been scoring so much. The book loves him to score. So I'm going to bump that up a little bit, get a little more value and take him to score two or more touchdowns. I just think that he's such a mismatch with any defensive back in the NFL, but especially when you look at Philly's defense, the secondary there, you know, former pit man, Avante Maddox, got to give him a shout out. But, you know, I think, I think that, that, that Eagles defense has, has struggled at sometimes the secondary has struggled at some points. And I think uh, Wilson and Metcalf are going to be able to connect and, and take advantage of that uh, multiple times throughout this game. Now, if they're doing that multiple times, and you got to love my next prop bet, Russell Wilson at two and a half. I'm taking him. I'm taking him to have three touchdowns at plus one thirty-five. Is what I will take. Uh, it's one thirty-five. You took two TDs plus. 325 for DK Metcalf. And I think if he gets those two touchdowns, one more touchdown to lock it or a tight end, book it. That's where I'm going. Russell Wilson, I'm taking it over at two and a half. Chris, Chris Carson out of the backfield. Maybe, maybe. How about that? Okay, before I go to the next I've game, got, Raven I, and Steelers, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I just was going to say, I couldn't find a line on this. But Boston Scott receiving yards take the over. I don't know what the over is. I don't know what the odds are, but Boston Scott receiving yards over. Boston Scott. Okay, I'm going to have to look that one up. Okay, we got another one. Um, this is a small thing. I caught a mistake uh, on the NBC Sunday Night Football broadcast, and I was really oh. annoyed. You're going to write um, a letter? They had the Eagles. They were showing the playoff picture, and I should have taken a picture of it. They had the Eagles at 4-7. and seven. And they had them as like the favorite for the to to win the NFC East. And I was like, well, timeout, timeout. Let's first think about something. There's no way that they could be four and seven when they haven't played the game yet. And either way, like they'd have to win and lose because they're three and six right now. So I was like, wait, did I miss? Like, no, that was a small mistake. But what was a big mistake as we move to our next game? Ravens uh, don't quite know how to uh, handle their COVID protocol properly. Uh, maybe a little bit more than their quarterbacks. But the the Ravens and the Broncos are under some heat, as we already talked about the Broncos. But the Ravens got the Thursday Thanksgiving night game. I was looking forward to watching with my family. 
My father-in-law is a big Steelers fan. We were going to watch the game. Oh, no, it's Sunday. Oh, wait. Oh, no, it's Tuesday night. So it's like, what is going on with the Ravens and now the Steelers, James Conner as well, uh, you know, is under COVID protocol. Might this game not even happen on Tuesday? I mean, I haven't, since we started the show, I haven't looked at Twitter yet to find out. But, I mean, who knows? We may get that game moved again. I, I mean, this has been such a nightmare. I mean, Schefter was tweeting on Sunday that, you know, it's worth noting that the NFL hasn't canceled any games yet. And I think that's less because of, you know, how well the league has handled COVID and more of just the NFL doesn't want to cancel games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's – if there is going to be a first, it doesn't seem likely to be this game given that it's still scheduled to be on after two postponements, multiple – positive tests and isolations across both teams. You know, Steelers quarterback coach Matt Canada, one of the ones isolating. We saw the assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Ravens who was disciplined for, you know, not properly following whatever protocol like you mentioned. The Ravens seem to be on the way to a fine possible um, draft pick docking. I mean, this game has to be played just because of the divisional weight, you know, what it means for the Ravens potentially as as a wild card what it means for the Steelers as they look to move to 11 and 0 and keep their place as the best team in the NFL best team in the AFC really um with the way the Chiefs played like you've already mentioned i mean but this it's just such a nightmare this is the exact situation the NFL never wanted to confront and now they're in the midst of it and it seems like it's going to be played Tuesday no matter what whether or not they have, you know, a Kendall Hinton starting <laughs> under center for the Ravens or, you know, whether RG3, um, we get to see him a little bit. I don't know your feelings on on the former Washington quarterback there. I'm a but, big RG3 um, fan. That's why I have yeah. such a hard time with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Dude, I mean, I know I say this. I, I talk about this all the time. I was so disappointed in the Washington football team organization, not because I didn't think Kirk Cousins, I didn't know anything about him, whether he was a good quarterback or not, but you even just, you destroy draft night and you destroy RG3's future. The second you drafted another quarterback in the whatever round, what was he? Seventh round, 105th pick, whatever it was, that wouldn't have been seventh love. round, but, but like, even I, even my excitement sank on draft night when they drafted another quarterback. It's like, oh, they don't believe in RG3 already. That's, that's to me, what it signified. And it only played out over the course of the next, what, five years? It just, it was just really sad. But, all right, let's go into better things. Uh, you're going to get a defensive matchup between these two teams. Steelers ranked number one. Ravens ranked number fourth. Offenses, not so much. Ravens ranked 28th. Steelers rank 26, but I don't expect you to think you're going to get the, a high-powered uh, scoring game. Hey, they're talking four to six inches or two to four inches of snow in Pittsburgh. It's going it's to gonna snow. snow. It's going to be a ground game, and who does the ground game favor? Well, let's see. If you don't have James Conner, you're already down the running back for the Steelers, and the Ravens are ranked fifth in rushing. I think you're going to see a big ground game from the Ravens. And, of course, they have Lamar Jackson, who can also run. And, oh, by the way, Kyler Murray is what? If he was a running back, he'd be ranked one, number one in the league. And I know we're talking about a different running back. But you have Lamar Jackson, who is another running quarterback, 
who can do some of the same things that a Kyler Murray can if he gets it together. I expect this game to be a very, 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 very slow ground game. Now, Lamar Jackson has missed his first game uh, because of what's happened with the Ravens. So for them, it's like now they're going to have to go to their running back even more, which makes it difficult for a team. And now if you do end up with an RG3, he won't be the same as a Lamar Jackson. But so that was the one thing that was positive for the Ravens that I'm going to take away from the Ravens as I try to calculate how I'm thinking about my pick for this game because that's what you had in the package for the Ravens. Now you lose that. The Steelers are losing James Conner, so the rushing won't be the same. Uh, let's see. Baltimore has allowed one top 10 fantasy quarterback in their last four games. Um, Roethlisberger has fewer than 16 fantasy points. Can he throw it in the air? I don't know if I'm saying a ground game, but I mean, I he doesn't have like to take deep shots. Right? I mean, I think I think Roethlisberger is still going to get it done. If nothing else, he's going to manage the team because, I mean, the, he's a veteran. He knows what he needs to do in this situation. Snow's not going to bother him. He probably loves the Tuesday game. It's like a different kind of game for him. Uh, the Ravens yeah, I mean, have, have allowed Mike Tomlin. You have Mike Tomlin making the jokes about his his Mac players are used to playing on Tuesday nights. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that's just you know, you it's some levity is coming with this game. But I think as I'm going through different stats and thinking of in my head, just my gut feeling is just like the bottom line. This this isn't phasing the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to just be the Steelers. I think it is affecting the Ravens because of the number of players that have unfortunately um, been hurt by this COVID um, protocol and the players that are out. So in the end, the Steelers have scored 25-plus points per game, have allowed 18-plus points per game. I'm going to take the Steelers to win. But again, just like I did with the Eagles, I'm going to take the Ravens to cover. I don't like that minus 10. I think that line is too much for me. I don't want to touch it. I think this game will be closer. So I think the Ravens will cover. And I'm going to take the under at 41. I know that seems crazy. I don't know if I said it, but I'm going to take the over in the Eagles-Seahawks game tonight. But I'm going to take the under in this game at 41. Yeah, I mean, this is another – we talked about this, the spread swing in the uh, Seahawks-Eagles game. This is another one, 12-and-a-half-point swing. Ravens started as two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Pittsburgh, and they've ended as plus 10 underdogs. You know, when you talk about the rushing matchup, I think the big thing is when you look at the players, the Ravens are likely going to be without – they're going to be without Lamar Jackson. seems like they're going to be without J.K. Dobbins as well. Back when these two teams met in the beginning of November, Pittsburgh's rush defense has been one of the best run defenses in the league, but they allowed 250 rushing yards, 265 rushing yards to be exact, to the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins had 113 yards on the ground. Lamar had like 60 yards on the ground. Having those two players out, that's not going to help Baltimore. They're going to have to rely on Ingram. They're going to have to rely on RG3 to move the ball on the ground. And I think Pittsburgh's defense and that front of T.J. Watt, of um, Cam Hayward, and of Bud Dupree, 
You got the linebackers. You know, Avery Williamson, who they got in a trade from the Jets, is just going to get better and better with every week he has in that system. Now he's had, you know, a week and a half extra to get a little more integrated into that Pittsburgh defense. You know, I really think that Tomlin is going to have that defense especially ready to play. I love the under in this game. You know, <laughs> some severe movement there as well. I think it went from like 46 down to 41 where it is right now. It opened at – yeah, it opened at 46 and a half. It's down to 41. That's almost a whole touchdown in movement. I like the under as well. I'm going to actually go with the public there. Normally I like to fade the public. <laughs> but, um, you know, I do like I do like that that under number. I think Pittsburgh is going to be comfortable, you know, with a defensive game. They're going to be comfortable not having to do too much on offense and being able to control the Ravens' uh, ground game with with everyone they're missing, like you said. The Steelers have allowed fewer than 20 points in their last three games. Before that, they allowed 20-plus points in five of their six previous games. In my, I think this game is going to be 17-13 Steelers win. That's my final prediction. I'm sticking like to that. it. I like that. All right. All right. When we come back, Bo knows college football. That's what we're coming back with next. The first. The Props Network is the place where bets begin. No, the Props Network isn't a sports book. It's where smart bettors and new players go before the sports book. Before the sports book. Right? Before. Why? Because the Props Network has a few things that all bettors need. Exclusive sign-up bonuses, reporting on weekly promos, free betting picks, and live odds comparisons for every game. A visit to thepropsnetwork.com before placing a bet guarantees that you'll be wagering with the best available bonus and getting the biggest payout possible. Biggest, biggest possible payout if your bets hit or your bet hits. One, multiple, one. But the Props Network isn't just another bonus site. We've also got great content. Follow the Props Network on social media, YouTube, and Twitch for updates all week from me on Just for Sport and the rest of our Props Network team. And Bob, right? He's going to keep it inside as well. Get ready to bet with the Props Network today. You must be 21 or older to bet. If you or someone you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So we're talking college football now. And boy, I tell you what. Second week in a row, the number of cancellations seemed to be almost equaling the number of games anybody really cares about. Obviously, there are way more college football games, but in terms of the games that people want to see, they're almost equal now. It just seems like, and actually, I actually appreciate it more. Because I think that for college players, they should be protected more than NFL players. I know there's a whole, well, should they get paid? You know, they're on scholarship. Yeah, but they're still kids. A lot of them are still kids. They should be protected. But Ohio State, Illinois was canceled. Cincinnati, Temple canceled. Oklahoma at West Virginia canceled. Minnesota at Wisconsin canceled. Excuse me, Oklahoma at West Virginia postponed. Tulsa, number 25 at Houston, postponed. It's just, it's just a lot of games. And when you think about what's going to happen with – A lot of top 25 teams, too. A lot of top – yeah, a lot of top 25 teams that are, that are you know, having to juggle their season. And I think bottom line is the national championship game is going to end up having to be moved. 
I mean, I guess you could say you have the four weeks in between if you cut the the, the playoffs down. I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to figure out something. Uh you know, but you know what? Look, let's let's focus on the positive, I guess. Let's start with the game that I think we both were watching, for better or for worse. Uh, number three, Clemson. <laughs> Pitt playing at Clemson. Uh, Clemson won 52-17, but there have to be some positives for Pitt out of this game. Yes, I think they should have been SC top 10. Addison's touchdown catch was amazing. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're talking about – Positives, first of all, Jordan Addison played. He didn't the week before against Virginia Tech. I mean, he's, in my opinion, the ACC um, offensive freshman of the year, without a doubt. I think he's leading all freshmen across the country in receiving yards. He's making plays like that. Not only was it a bobble and snag in the side of the end zone, it was a Sunday catch. He had two feet in. How often do you see that from a fresh, true freshman? You know, look. I think when you talk about the COVID cancellations, you saw the most motivated Clemson team I've seen in probably three or four years. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a team that I don't think has played since October. They had, you know, the game against um, Notre Dame. They lost. They were, you know, short-staffed on defense. Lawrence was out. You had the Florida State game canceled when you're down in Tallahassee on Saturday morning and it gets wiped out. We've now seen three weeks in a row where Florida State won't play after that game against Clemson, that game against UVA last week, which was, again, postponed on Saturday. And now they've already come out and said they're not going to play this week. Duke, uh, that game got rescheduled. Duke's going to play Miami this week instead. But Clemson, I mean, this is a group of seniors, right, in ETN, in Lawrence, in Justin Ross, who will be returning, didn't play this season due to a spinal injury. This is a group of seniors that had a chance to cement four years, four years of college football without a home loss. The last home loss, that 2016 loss to Pitt. So Mm. perfect opportunity for them to seal that record with Pitt at home again. And I think you saw exactly how motivated, exactly how ready for this game. You know, we've talked so much about Dabo Sweeney, right? the head coach of Clemson, and how he's able to still present the Tigers as the victim, still present them as the little <laughs> guys in college football. He always. He's always playing the victim, you know, whether it's against Florida State, whether it's you know in the rankings, whatever, whatever. But this week, this is the first actual chip on Clemson's shoulder that we've seen in a long time, not just manifested by Dabo Sweeney. And you know what? You saw exactly the result of that when the Tigers came out and hung 31 points in the first quarter. There was just nothing Pitt can do. I don't think the Panthers played particularly bad in that first quarter. You know, there were like three interceptions from Kenny Pickett. One of them was a tip ball. The other one was a little bit of an underthrow on a flea flicker. You know, not much you can do there. That was the most amped up, the most ready, the most come-to-play Clemson team I've seen in a long time, and they're scary when they look like that. Yeah. Uh, Clemson, I still think that if you had Clemson play Alabama, I think Clemson probably, I don't have a doubt in my mind. That I'm, they can I'm win. ready. I, I really hope we get that game. Yeah. Because Alabama yeah. looks really good. You yeah. know, I wasn't yeah. sure about Mac Jones. We hadn't seen him that much coming in. He looks really good. That Even without Jalen Waddell, that offense looks, I mean, absolutely absurd. I really hope we get Clemson Alabama. Yeah, that's what I want. And, and Notre Dame, I know that they are 
you know, they got that win, and that's why they're number two in the country. But come on, you know you're playing that game like you mentioned without the Clemson's best defensive and offensive player in the same game, and it took you overtime to beat them, and it was lucky. But we're not going to talk about Notre Dame beating number two Notre Dame, beating number 19 North Carolina, 31-17. We're not going to talk about Iowa State beating Texas, 23-20, another top 25 matchup. We're going to go, we're not going to talk about Auburn, Alabama, 42-13, Alabama over Auburn. We're going to go all the way down to Vanderbilt first, that lost to Missouri, 41 to nothing. But they made history. They made history with Sarah Fuller being the first female college player in a Power 5 conference to play in a game. She said, quote, I just want to tell all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to. Two weeks ago, she was playing soccer for Vandy. She was a goalie. SEC champions, I think. SEC champions. And now she's the first female player ever to play in the SEC football game. What What are your thoughts on that? Were you excited about it? I thought it was cool. I mean, she did a little squib kick. kick. I mean, I'm glad that she Perfect got kick. in the game. It was really good. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the issue, right, is Vanderbilt was so awful. It looked so terrible. We were afraid we weren't going to get to see her at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no chance at a field goal position. There was absolutely no chance she was going to be kicking off after a score. So the kickoff to start the second half is the only chance she got. They wanted to go with a short little squib kick control field position, perfectly executed right into the path of coverage. They almost had a chance at recovering that as a low-key onside. Really yeah. a great yeah. kick overall. And it, I mean, it was really cool. Um, you know, back when I played in high school, my junior year, I don't know, she's probably never going to see this, but my <laughs> high school actually did have a, a female kicker. What? So Naomi, Naomi, if you see this, you know, what's up? How you been? Long time to speak. <laughs> but, you know, she, I mean, she was a soccer player too. She came in, you know, we had a great kicker. She was more of the extra points. He was kind of long field goals and she would do kickoffs too. But, you know, this is something that I've had experience with. I think it's so cool. And to see it on this stage, it's really impactful. And I think it's a great message to send to all the girls who want to do whatever they want in sports around the world. And so two things came to my mind when I saw that's really cool about Naomi. That's really awesome. Um, Two thoughts. I said, okay, the pregame speech. So I take it she dresses in another locker room, but I wonder if the coach like waits and has a pregame speech until after everybody's dressed. I mean, obviously you would know maybe from Naomi, like how that changed the routine of the team for Sarah. But then the other thing I was thinking as a soccer player, how does that not happen more often? If the soccer player doesn't say, Hey, I can kick, let me be the field goal kicker. Well, I think that was, you know, a lot of these like online trolls, that was what a lot of, I think they were saying, on the interwebs was, you know, why not just get a men's soccer player? You're just going after it for the publicity. We've seen Rutgers actually in the Big Ten. Their kicker is a former um, Rutgers soccer player as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Valentino Ambrosio, I think his name is. But, you know, speaking of, you know, pregame speeches, did you see, you know, what she said? She's, um, you know, what Sarah Fuller said she spoke about during halftime? No, I didn't. So she was saying, and I think it was in a postgame interview, that, you know, at halftime, she was saying, like, you know, look, our sideline's been dead. I haven't seen anybody cheering for one another. You know, look, where I come from in a championship program, 
you know, we're constantly getting hyped for each other, whether you're in the game, whether you're not, whether you're losing, whether you're winning, whatever. You're excited. You're cheering on your fellow players. You're cheering on your teammates. And she didn't see that on the Vanderbilt football sideline. Wow. Which, you know, I think um, I think it was Bomani Jones on Twitter, another D.C. guy, raised the point. It's hard not to connect the dots there with Derek Mason being fired basically the next day seeing, you know, how little energy and how little excitement that team had and how they had to bring in this championship pedigree player. And all of a sudden, you know, that's the first thing she notices. Yeah, which is sad to think that her comments may have trickled all the way up to the AD to be like, hey, who knows? All right, hey. it's time to change our program. So she's not connecting only made... some pretty far apart dots. There, but... <laughs> but maybe she changed history for Vandy football more than maybe they thought she would when they brought her on to just, you know, be the, well, I guess it's not fair to call her like Peyton Manning. I always go back to that quote where he's like, liquored up kicker. What's that about Adam Vinatieri? I think that was Adam Benatari. Oh, boy. I think so, yeah. Uh, running backs. How about, uh, yeah, I had no idea who Buffalo's Jarrett Patterson was. 409 yards, just 18 yards shy of Samaji Perrin from Oklahoma University's uh, single-game record of 427 rushing yards. And the thing is for me is – why just have him tie the record for rushing touchdowns? If he's eight, 18 yards away from getting the rushing record and one touchdown away from putting him in the record books, I was disappointed in that game. I'm, I, it makes me so sad. Like, dude, what, what, why do coaches always seem to make the worst? I mean, he's already rushed for eight, eight touchdowns. Now it's like, oh, let's not run it up. No, they score 70 points. Just come on. Let them score another one. This is ridiculous. What's what's from 70 to 77? Is that big of a difference? Is that that no. big of a difference? No. But yet you sit here like, oh, no, I'm going to make an example of the uh, the player and, and talk about how, no, you got the rushing record. Let's leave. I mean, the touchdown record. Let's leave it there. I was. Yeah. And I mean, annoyed. I, I hope you had the over in this 70 to 41 game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's 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 a that's a basketball score. I know we'll is, touch on that in a minute. That's a basketball score. Four hundred nine yards, eight touches, eight touchdowns. Like you mentioned, ties the FBS record. Average per rush, eleven point four yards. He's averaging a first down every time he got the ball out of the backfield. Second week in a row, he had three hundred yards. He had three hundred one uh, last week, or you know, a week and a half ago against Bowling Green. His third 100 uh, 100 yard rushing game of the season. Patterson is, I mean, he's this Buffalo offense is so reliant on the ground game, and he's so explosive. I mean, I I don't even know. I don't have words. I don't have words to describe a 400 yard, eight touchdown game. That's NCAA 14 numbers. Those are video <laughs> game numbers. And it's simply incomprehensible. That you know these numbers were put up, and like you said, just 18 yards away from the all-time NCAA single-game rushing record. It's really just incredible. He's a he's a damn good running back. We're going to see him at the next level. Yeah, the, and that's funny as you brought that up. We'll see him at the next level because I feel like I wasn't. It is weird. I know I'm saying this, and the second that's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, that makes no sense. But I feel like I didn't see any dynamic moves out of him. Like, it wasn't he like he had any. some good jukes. He was just, you know, just speed. straight up the middle in the speed. speed. And that, that was it. One cut speed, boom, off the races. There yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh, 
But let's let's I digress. I wish him the best to get another nine touchdown and four hundred and fifty yard game. Maybe he can do that next time. But let's switch to college basketball, Bo. And I'm just not I'm just not there yet. And and when you talk about the upsets that have happened in college basketball already, I don't think college basketball is there yet. I don't think the players and the teams are ready or in the mindset because obviously when you have, <laughs> I mean, Villanova falls, Virginia falls, Kentucky falls. And I know that's just three teams, but I, they lost the teams that you never would expect for them to lose to. But I also yeah. feel like, no, I mean, the season's just, it's weird right now. Yeah, and so I think this is this is the interesting thing, right? This Thanksgiving week is always a great time for college basketball because you do have all these, you know, what are called MTEs now, multi-team events. But normally, normally these teams have, you know, two or three games before to warm up. You know, we're talking about a early November, like November sixth or ninth start normally for for teams around college basketball and they have you know a month of practice before that basically what we're looking at now is like two and a half weeks of practice for most teams if they stayed covid free you know if they didn't didn't have any issues in terms of having to isolate in terms of having to you know lock down and not be able to practice and so when you say that these teams didn't look ready that's probably because they weren't that's probably because they didn't have the same amount of lead in time they didn't have the games we're normally used to seeing at this point, and they certainly didn't have the practice time they need. Coaches, you know, always talk about how they're getting to know their teams. They're figuring out their rotations this early in the season. It's going to be even more of that this year because of the unknowns, because of the different amounts of practices. And when you say, you know, the teams you didn't really expect them to, I'll start with Kentucky losing to Richmond. 76 I, to 64, man. Yeah, I have to – I'm going to pull up the um, – the poll, right, the new poll, because Richmond should be a top 25 team. I mean, you know, when it comes to college basketball, there is no power five, right? There's like a power six because you (laughs) have to include the Big East in the basketball power conferences. You can arguably include the American right now. And then you have the mid-majors where you have teams like the A-10 with Richmond and St. Louis. Both should be top 25 teams, in my opinion. You have the WCC out west with Gonzaga, the national championship contender, plus San Francisco, who beat Virginia, plus St. Mary's, who held their own um, with a couple good teams. Um, but, you know, there, is, there isn't there is that clear denomination where you have the power five in football and then it's everybody else. It's like yeah. a power yeah. seven, really, in basketball, yeah. and then there's a drop-off. But, you know, Richmond, I think, like I said, they should be a top 25 team. I believe they are. Uh, yep, they jumped up to number 19 at 2-0. and So they're in there. And then Virginia Tech, you know, when you talk about that Villanova game, you know, San Francisco, um, San Francisco, Virginia is really the only one that was kind of shocking. San Francisco had lost the night before to UMass Lowell. You know, not, again, a good team, a, a mid-major, but not exactly world beaters. Yeah. San Francisco, they look like a decent team out west. WCC is one of my favorite basketball conferences with St. Mary's and Gonzaga with San Francisco. But when you talk about Virginia Tech Villanova at Bubbleville, the Mohegan Sun, whatever they're calling it now, that game was scheduled at like 1 a.m. Friday night while Jay Wright and Villanova were playing. The Villanova 
basketball operations people reached out to Mike Young in Virginia Tech. They said, hey, you know, do you want to play this game? Mike Young said, yeah. They said, all right, we just got to clear it with Jay first. You know, he's out there coaching because Villanova was literally playing at the time. And, you know, Jay Wright, Villanova, they didn't need to take that game. You know, Virginia Tech, that was a team that went in the year before in the same tournament at the Mohegan Sun. They beat the number three team in the country in Michigan State last year. They do it again this year, knocking off Villanova. Virginia Tech, they're a good team. They're a good middle-of-the-pack ACC team. They're going to be competing there with the top five. But Mike Young, you know, second year down in Blacksburg, out of Wofford, you know, he made some noise in the tournament a couple of years ago, if you remember that Wofford team. He's going to make some noise again with Virginia Tech. That's a good team. They jumped up in the top 25 as well at 16, three above Richmond. But, you know, you have to give credit to Jay Wright for taking that game that he knew he had a chance to lose. You know, I'm sure he's expecting to go in there and win it. But Virginia Tech's not a sleeper team, right? Yeah. They're not a walkover. You know that you're going to have to go in there and play their best, and they just did it. I'm curious about the movement in terms of the rankings. Kentucky dropped 10 spots. Virginia Tech moved up 10 spots, and Virginia, Virginia dropped, dropped 11. 11. Like, that's – I don't no, know. No, I mean, that, yeah, that movement just seems to be a lot for – like we're talking about. I mean, Villanova plays three games and loses it. You know, they were 2-0. and It's not like they're 0-3. You know, I just think the drop is just uh, – you know, a little too steep for a Kentucky team that's only played two games. Uh, I, I just don't like it. Well, but I forget I forget who Kentucky played in their opening game, um, but they didn't look that hot there either. I think they struggled to pull away towards the end, but eventually did. But, um, you know, Kentucky, I think Kentucky, you know, when you talk about, like I mentioned before, teams, you know, coaches trying to get to know their teams – Kentucky is always like that because they have so many one and dones because they bring in so many transfers. Um, you know, that's what, that's where coach Cal excels, right? Mm-hmm. He's bringing in these new players every year and getting them to mesh. They're always going to be a slow starting team, but you know, once they hit that sec schedule, the cats will be rolling. Yeah. Coach Cal will have them ready to go again. And the thing is uh, coach Cal, he can always say, even if they win or lose, Hey, Look how many players I get into the NBA draft every year. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about what's going to happen in the season. You want to get to the NBA, I'll help you get there. Um, I would love to say that any one of the players on Pitt could get to the NBA. I just want to see them try to have a decent season in the ACC. They're one and one on the season. They at least got a win against Drexel, 83-74 to after losing to St. Francis at St. Francis. Now they Not go Pitt. up to Northwestern. Uh, what do we think? Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a really interesting season for Pitt. You know, third year under Jeff Capel, he's finally got his roster, brings in a really good recruiting class, like fifth in the ACC, really deep. Um, they're still waiting on one um, one waiver from the NCAA transfer, Nike Sabande from uh, Miami, Ohio, who you know opposed the the transfer or something like that. There was mm-hmm. a little, there's a whole thing there. Um, you know, really shows just how messed up the transfers are in the NCAA this year, especially. Um, but, you know, this is still a, a young team for Pitt. You know, they lose, you know, they're trying to figure out the the scoring, right? You have your three top scorers in Johnson, Tony, and Champagny. And beyond that, there's not much. You have a transfer from Delaware, Ithiel Horton, who's supposed to provide some deep shooting. He hasn't gotten going yet, had to sit out a whole year. And so wasn't really able to to get in right away. He's still got to adjust 
to, you know, playing competitive basketball again after having to sit out a whole year. It's going to take some time. Um, you know, I know some Pitt fans are pretty upset after losing to St. Francis for the first time in 30 tries, you know, kind of local team there. Mm-hmm. Not a very good team, a team that lost their two best players from a year ago. But, you know, this is a team that's still trying to figure it out. Like I said, still trying to get that rotation set. But, you know, who knows? Maybe by the time the ACC rolls around, they could they could knock some of the bigger teams off, maybe make a little bit of noise, finish a little bit higher than they were projected to at, like, 13th. Let's, let's hope so. We always want the best. And not only do I want the best for Pitt uh, in football and basketball, but Xavier Johnson had the pleasure of calling a couple of his games on, mm. you know, a down a level in high school. So when he decided to not to go to – when he decided not to go to Nebraska and chose Pitt, I was really excited and, and wanted to see what, what he was going to do. So – Let's see if, you know, in, in his, what, what is his third, I mean, third season? Third year, Let's see what he can do. He shows such great flashes at some points. Yeah. I mean, he's just been so up and down throughout his career, and it's perfectly encapsulated. A really, really tough game for him in the season opener against St. Francis. Comes back and looks like a world beater against Drexel. He's, he's just going to have to find a little bit of that consistency, but he could be a next-level guard. Yeah. Let's hope so. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate it. All right. We're going up a level next. We got NBA playoffs, excuse me, NBA offseason, but the NBA playoffs aren't that far around the corner. Um, I have to admit, when I saw the ticker that said Gordon Hayward turns down his one-year option with the Celtics at like $34.25 million, I was like, what? Wait, wait, what are you talking about? Who turns down that kind of guaranteed money? This wasn't the team option. This was Gordon Hayward's option to say whether he's going to stay or go. And I do think that part of that goes into how we're in a different, obviously we're totally in a different uh, bracket from millionaires. But I mean, even just the fact that in your mind, you can say, eh, eh. I'm good on 35 million. I don't need that kind of money. I'll just move on, right? He had a $34 million player option. And he said, "Ah, I'll decline it. But then what happens? Two days later, he signs a four-year, $120 million contract with the Hornet. Now, on one hand, I was like, oh, wow, good for him. He and his agent knew exactly what they were doing, Jamoke. Of course they did. And they, for this is the Props Network, they bet on themselves. That's what they did. Gordon Hayward bet on himself, and he won. He got four years and $120 million. Now, with Charlotte, that's another thing. Because with Charlotte, I'm like, okay, what is that going to do? He's going to be – he can play two – he can play the two and a three position. They drafted LaMelo Ball. But I just feel like I look at that Hornets roster and I don't know. What, what, do, they, what do they have in terms of if it's not about money, is Gordon Hayward looking to be a superstar? They got Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, Terry Rozier. Devontae Graham, who last year before the pandemic, you know, had his, 
you know, really bright spots, bright spots. LaMelo Ball, they drafted him. Cody Zeller. I mean, just when I look at this roster, I'm just like Caleb Martin, Cody Martin. I'm just like, okay, I just don't know what this team is going to do with uh, they have a new coaching staff, new head coach and James Borrego as well. Um, it's going to be interesting what happens for really for for the Charlotte Hornets. I just don't see them being able to make any noise. And so then it's like, okay, well, obviously, in many ways, this was a not a month, not really a money grab per se, but you know, it it was it was about money. He knew what he was doing. And he got his he's got his money. But then when I look at the chances for the Charlotte Hornets to make any noise in the playoffs. That's where I'm like, okay, when you were with a team in Boston, and to me, I question what's going on in Boston because I don't know how you give up on an opportunity to not just make the playoffs, but really a chance to get to the NBA Finals with that roster. The Celtics was plus 1,300 to be the NBA champions. And you sign with a team in the Hornets that are, guess what they are, plus 40,000. Plus 40,000. So then it really was all about money. It's not about winning or or there are really some issues within Boston that, that are not really addressed at least on the surface, you know, maybe if you're a Boston fan and you're reading all the local Boston Globe paper and the blogs and stuff like that, you probably know something I don't. But on the surface, it seems like, whoa, whoa, how do you not, how do you give up on a team in Boston? At least give it one more year. But they chose not to. Now, two players that I root for, I used to work with them very closely when they were with the Washington Wizards, are Kelly Oubre and JaVale McGee. Now, Kelly Oubre dodged a bullet. Now, last year, okay, yeah, Oklahoma City made the playoffs with Chris Paul. This year, no, no, I just don't see it. There's no way they were making a playoff. No way, no way whatsoever. And so when I saw Kelly Oubre got traded there from Phoenix with Chris Paul going to Phoenix, I was like, oh, man, that really stinks. I think that Kelly Oubre is, you know, he shows flashes, showed a lot of flashes in Washington of being a really dynamic player on the offensive and defensive end. But I guess in many ways, if you look at his, not just what was happening with the roster in Phoenix and trying to go after a point guard who could kind of steady that team and help them get to the playoffs, but when you think of the bubble playoffs, that was what the, the Phoenix team you saw there was minus Kelly Oubre. So it's unfortunate, but it was almost like a numbers game basically said, okay, well, we were winning without Kelly Oubre. He's coming off of an injury. Maybe we don't. we can play without him if we can get a solid point guard. And they got one in Chris Paul, and you've got Devin Booker, so maybe Kelly Oubre is expendable. But when you go to Oklahoma City and you see that roster, it's like, no, that roster is not going to win this year. 
But then he got lucky because then he was traded again to the Golden State Warriors after the horrific injury, unfortunately, to uh, Clay Thompson. But now he gets to go to the Golden State Warriors. They add a Brad Wanamaker from the Boston Celtics in free agency. They add Kelly Oubre via trade. They draft James Wiseman. I mean, whoa, come on. You got a man, Brad Wanamaker. Yes, yes, that's true. That's right. University of Pittsburgh, Brad Wanamaker, which um, I'm really excited. I feel like he's he and Steven Adams are the only pit players still in the league right now. Hopefully I'm wrong. But those are the only two that come to mind. But Kelly Oubre right now gets to play for the Golden State Warriors, and I'm happy about that. Now, their odds of winning it all, if you remember some time ago, I said, hey, if you want to pick a team that's a sleeper team to win the NBA championship, go with the Warriors. Nobody's thinking about the Warriors. Um, and I think when I picked them, I picked them at plus 6,000. Well, now they're plus 3,000. Um, and Clay's going to hurt, but you still got a Draymond Green on that team. You know, now you add a Kelly Oubre who defensively and offensively may add some uh, much needed. Uh, juice and we'll see what that team does with james wiseman now players i'm i'm really bummed out about javel mcgee what the last three of the four years he got championship rings two with the warriors then that awful season the first year with lebron james that they didn't play didn't even make the playoffs and then this year they're nba champions again and now JaVale McGee has no chance of making a playoffs unless he gets traded again. But right now he's with the Cleveland Cavaliers right down with the Charlotte Hornets at plus 40,000 to be NBA champion. He has no chance. No chance. So his championship run is over. JaVale McGee's championship run is over. And that I'm bummed out. I really am. But, you know, he had a good run. It's not like it's over. You know, maybe, maybe he will randomly be able to, uh, you know, be traded to a championship contender. But I'm sure in his mind, uh, and I don't even want to. I don't even want to know whether he's bummed out or not. I can imagine he is. I'm not. It's sad, but you know, it's the business of basketball and he's got three championship rings and I'm sure that makes him more than excited to, to look back on his career and say, Hey, I, I did a lot. If this is the end, I don't want to make it seem like this is the end, but I feel like for a player like JaVale, like now you're starting to end up on the not so good teams and your salary just kind of bounces around and you have a season here or half a season there. If you get traded, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So I'm going to end the show here with Devil's Advocate. And um, I was going to talk some EPL. I'm going to get to that next weekend. And I'll talk some, maybe even some Millwall soccer, some Coventry City soccer. Chelsea plays Leeds United in their next game. Minus 186 to win, plus 340 to tie, plus 500 for Leeds United to win, which won't happen. Won't happen. But I just hate ties. I'm really getting annoyed with – 
I love soccer, but I can't deal with the ties. And it just bothers me so much. When y'all watch soccer, don't you want one team to win and one team to lose? Obviously, your favorite team, you want them to win. But I can't take the ties. I can't take the ties. What's the over in that game? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let me see here. I like, I like being this magical disembodied voice now. Yeah, you hit so you could. <laughs> Total goals uh, over two and a half at plus 148. That's the number I like. I like that. I like that. That's what I like. I'll take that plus 148. No, sorry. That's the under. Sorry. Under two and a half goals at plus 148. If I said that wrong. I'll take the under. But here's the thing. I've got two devil advocates here, and I'm changing the roster a little bit on what um, Bo and I put together in the rundown. But the ties just destroy soccer for me. It, I don't like watching a whole game and not knowing who won or lost. I don't like watching a game and at the end of it, when it is a 0-0 tie and I talk to my dad and brother, so hopefully we'll do some family time coming up on Thursday, and it's like, oh, well, there were some good runs in the game. That was a good shot on goal, but it didn't go in. Like, that's awful to me. There's no fun in that. I'm just, I'm bored. I don't want to waste three hours of my time and you don't have a winner. I just, I just can't take it. I can't. I can't. But I digress. My real devil's advocate is about the Denver Broncos. And for the NFL, I read a lot on Twitter where, where some people were really upset with how um, it, it was almost like the NFL was making a, an example of the Broncos because – there obviously were, you know, there were some protocols that were not followed in the game. Or, excuse me, leading up to the game. Excuse me, not in the game. And I took a – I had the rules here. All meetings, including coach and or staff-only meetings, must be held virtually unless held outdoors or in a practice bubble with masks being worn by all, while maintaining physical distancing and wearing connection, connection tracking devices, connection tracking, which obviously tracks if you're next to somebody else who potentially is exposed to COVID. And obviously, they did not do that. But I don't want Denver to be punished. It's unfair to punish them, but they did in many ways by making them play a game and having to bring in uh, uh, Kendall, who... Uh, Kendall Hinton, who had never taken a snap in the NFL as a quarterback. But then my devil's advocate doubled down on that is how disappointed I am in that it was the first time, the, probably the first time that said Colin Kaepernick's never playing again. He's just never playing again. Because this is a scenario that would have been perfect for him. Not because don't I don't want to hear about, oh, well, it's supposed to be six days of protocol. Come on. Denver knew about this. They knew about it longer than that. 
You brought in a player on the practice squad to be the starting quarterback for an NFL team. And Colin Kaepernick couldn't get a look. Couldn't get a, oh, well, let's still sign him. Because at the very least, maybe the quarterbacks won't be able to play next week. And Colin Kaepernick is definitely an upgrade from Kendall. I would say so, right? Come on. How many of you would take Kendall Hinton over Colin Kaepernick? Not many of you. And yet here we are in a situation where, unfortunately, I think Colin Kaepernick's career is done. Now, I know that there's also that bad history between John Elway where he said, hey, I gave him a shot and he turned me down, so I'm not giving him another shot. Maybe that was it too. There's a good chance that that was it. There's a good chance that that was it, but I am just in the end disappointed that here we are. Here we are right now, and Kyler Kaepernick can't get a look. I think he's done. I think he's done. Now, what else I was done with as I end the show, sports you don't care about, but you probably did care about this one, was Tyson Roy Jones Jr. I didn't watch it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't care about it. I did see some of the social videos where they showed Mike Tyson and he was, you know, he was in the gym. He was, you know, uh, you know, really hitting on the bag. But I don't know. I, I just didn't really want to watch it. And I just kind of said, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I'm done. And I don't want to, I don't care to watch it. I don't care to pay attention to it. But you obviously cared about it. I mean, some people paid attention to it, of course. Uh, you know, it just, it really surprised me that what about, we had these two teams. What is it, Bo? What about Nate Robinson? No, Nate Robinson got destroyed. Like, <laughs> I, I was so disappointed when I saw it on Twitter that, you know, he was on the canvas. I was really just sad. I was just like, no. I, mm -mm. And I think that over the course of time, I've always dipped my toe in wanting to watch boxing and not wanting to watch, but I think it stems from my own personal experiences. So I used to do Kung Fu under uh, Master Dennis Brown. Uh, Shaolin Wushu, uh, I was at the school when it was in Washington, D.C., but I know that they're in Maryland now. And I remember, I believe it was, if it wasn't for a tournament, I thought it was for a tournament, but maybe it was actually, it was in my test to go up a level in my belt. And I did a spinning jump roundhouse kick and I knocked the kid out. I was probably 13, 14. And I had to sit down for, you know, what seemed like eternity. But it was probably maybe five, ten minutes while they waited to see if the kid was okay. And, you know, on one hand, everyone was like, whoa, that was amazing. But for a kid... I was really, I had a tough time thinking about what I did to, to that kid. That if I hurt him long term, that's what I thought about. That's what I thought about. And so I've carried that for the rest of my life. And I ended up kind of turning off from the sport, but I do 
at the same time, I respect the sport, including MMA, but I just don't watch it as much. But if you get to see Mike Tyson, how could you not want to watch Mike Tyson? Bo, you didn't watch the, the bout, did you? What even happened? I remember tweeting Mike Tyson was minus 225. Um, so those odds were good. But if you want to take, you can get Roy Jones at plus 175. But it was that dad bod. I've got the dad bod now. And I saw the profile shot of Mike Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. next to each other. I was like, okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, I mean, it's 50-year-old bearded Mike Tyson. <laughs> I, think, I think it ended up, I think it ended up um, going to the judges' scorecards. And I think they ruled it a draw, which had a lot of people upset because, like you said, you know, Tyson was just kind of hammering away at Jones's body for the entire time. So I think a lot of people were surprised that it that it ended up that way. You know, if you had if you had the draw plus fourteen fifty, you were pretty happy. But I think for a lot of people holding Tyson cards, didn't end the way they wanted it to. And just as I said with with soccer, who likes a draw? No one wants a draw. No one wants a draw. Apparently, Mike Tyson smoked weed before and after the vowel, just FYI, but I do not he's do that. He's 50. He can do what he wants. He can do what he wants. Well, he's Mike Tyson. He can do what he wants. I mean, that punches, too. punches tigers and uh, what movie was that? The Hangover. The Hangover? Yeah, that's Mike Tyson. All right. That's the show for everybody. Bo, thank you very much. Happy happy holidays to you and to everyone watching. I appreciate you all watching the Props Network on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. That's all I got for Just for Sport. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, whether you were watching us live or you're going to listen to the podcast, uh, please interact with us next time. Last episode, I was I was cheering on the fact that I had done 50 episodes. And yeah, here's to 50 more. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I hope you can uh, enjoy it with me. Ciao for now, everybody.